You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Guys, tonight you need to understand that you were chosen for something incredible. You were chosen to receive an incredible inheritance that actually waits for the saints here on this earth. There is an inheritance that belongs to the church like we've never even imagined. There's actually, oh, we were singing about it tonight where we're singing out, and for all your sons and daughters who are walking in the darkness, we are, you are calling us to lead them back to you. Guys, you are called. Tonight we're going to be continuing on evangelism, and uh, we're going to go into some things in a moment. But I think it's, it's good to just be reminded, like this year has been prophesied over as the year of inheritance. And I believe that there is a year of inheritance awaiting us um, where we've got an influx of people coming, getting, getting ready to be saved. I feel like there's actually, we're entering into a season where there's actually even going to be an ease for you to share the gospel with people that you've never thought to share the gospel with before. Whether it be your work colleagues, whether it be people you train with in the gym, whether it be your music teacher or students or friends or whatever, I feel like there's an anointing this year. If you've never felt there was room for it before, I encourage you this year, step out because there is, there is an anointing on this year where there's an inheritance for us in the saints to receive something. Amen? Amen. Tonight we're going to be looking at the story of, of the woman at the well where Jesus comes and he encounters this woman at the well. And you see this woman at the well, she was going to a well to fill up her water jar with water. And then we find out later in the story that she leaves the well without her water jar. She had no use for a water jar anymore. But you see, spiritually speaking, in this world, all around the world, there are people walking around with a spiritual water jar, begging for someone to fill it. We're literally living in a society of people that are waiting for validation and gratification and likes on Instagram. And like, if, you, if, you, if you're not getting gratified by someone, if you're not feeling validated by someone, all of a sudden, society seems to break down for some reason. If you get offended by someone, all of a sudden, it's World War Three because they're walking around with these empty buckets, waiting for someone to fill it up. And that's why I'm trying to encourage us and say that you guys are actually chosen because you've got something to fill their buckets up with. They're walking around. They're literally walking around with these water buckets waiting for them to be filled. With who? With the Spirit. They are longing for something that this world cannot provide. Amen? You got this? I was in, um, was celebrating Dean's birthday the other week um, in Newtown on Mardi Gras night. Great timing, Dean. And, um, and uh, I was walking through the streets, and to be honest, I was quite moved. Everywhere I looked, um, you just saw the rainbow flag everywhere. You got people, you know, wearing um, rainbow flags as capes and people with glitter face paint and all that sort of stuff. And you just see how loud their voice is, right? Yet I'm walking through, and I'm just thinking, like, immediately you look at one of these people, and you know exactly what they stand for. You know exactly what they believe in. You know exactly the sort of argument stance they're going to have when they come at you. But we, supposedly being the light of the world, the chosen ones, have the, we've allowed the enemy to trick us into being these quiet, docile believers where no one knows what we believe. I'm, I'm supposed to be the light, yet they're the louder voice. 
somehow. I'm walking through, okay, so I was getting convicted and I'm walking through the streets and I'm getting emotional at this point. And I'm just thinking, God, you've called me to be the light. And there's this whole town of Newtown in darkness. No one is here proclaiming the gospel. No one is here in that moment, obviously. There's people that go and stuff. But in that moment, you've called me to proclaim the good news. You've called me to stand up for your name. You've called me to shift the atmosphere of Australia and claim it for Jesus. My alarm is actually, oh no, it's at 7 p.m. Okay. Anyway, we need to believe we have the good news to share. We need to believe that we've been chosen. So let's get people saved. Amen. The vision is the year of inheritance. We're about to launch another service. Let's fill that service up. Amen. Come on. All right. Tonight, the title of my message is Effective Evangelism. Can you say Effective Evangelism? Five tips from the master. The master is not me. The master is Jesus, just to clarify. Um, So we're going to go into a story uh, where Jesus, we see Jesus actually evangelizing. So Effective Evangelism. If you want to turn to John chapter 4. We'll be reading from John chapter 4. Now, a little while ago, I'm actually married. I'm four months married now. And um, a little while ago, uh, say five years ago actually, 2013, Vanessa wasn't on my radar. I mean, uh, she was still on my mind. I wasn't on her radar, <laughs> put it that way. And, um, and so, and I always believe, I'm like, you know, I'm sure God's going to do something, bring us together one day or something like that. Anyway. Here I am walking back from um, Newtown, funnily enough. I did a design course in Newtown, and I was walking, walking back, and I needed to call Lucas for something. And so Siri had just come out. It was 2013. I had the iPhone 4S, and I'm like, hey, Siri, call Lucas Nakotra. And guess what Siri did? I got a picture for it. It says, what can I help you with? Call Vanessa. And I was like, what? Don't call Vanessa. I started freaking out. I was panicking. And then I screenshot it. And I said, no, call Lucas Nakotra. And I started call, calling Lucas Nakotra. But in that moment, right, I was on my way to a destination. My destination was getting Lucas on the phone. But in that moment, there was a bit of a distraction. Maybe it was God's voice. <laughs> and I'm here to say tonight that maybe some of the distractions we come along when it comes to evangelism, are actually God's voice speaking to us. The people we walk past in the street, that, are, that you're on your way to catch a train, but there's that man that, that's sitting on the side, he's homeless and he needs someone to talk to him. Maybe that distraction is an opportunity. So my first point for tonight, first tip is, um, before we get there, um, first tip is seize the opportunity. Seize the opportunity. If you're writing notes, seize the opportunity. Now, let's read. From verse 3, we're going to read. John chapter 4, verse 3. Here we go. All right, follow along. So quick context, Jesus has caused a bit of an uproar. Um, he's been baptizing too many people in um, Judea. So he's been forced to pretty much leave and go back to Galilee. So we're picking up from verse 3. And it says, So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now check this. Now he had to go through Samaria. We can pull up that map again, the first one. He had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now Jesus had a destination. His destination was Galilee. 
He was heading to Galilee. He was ready to minister. He was probably ready with his sermon and his notes, and he's ready to minister to a new crop of people, probably sent word, sent a scout to tell people that he was coming on his way. But lo and behold, on his way to Galilee, there was an obstacle and a distraction in place of him getting to his destination. And I really want to challenge us with this, because if Jesus saw Samaria just as another distraction, he would have missed out on seeing it as an opportunity. And I want to challenge us and say, with the distractions that we come up against in our lives, when, when there is an opportunity to say something to someone, we'll put it this way. Sometimes in life, we have a destination that we're so set on, whether it be getting married, whether it be buying a house, whether it be finding a new job and upgrading and things like that. But along the way come distractions. You know, you might feel like, I'm ready to get married, but I feel like maybe God's called me to go and study this in this season. I can't get married yet. Or I want to buy a house, but God's just challenged me to go speak to this person who's struggling financially. And all these things are like, God, why are you doing this right now? Is this just a distraction? But I'm, I'm putting this challenge out to say maybe there's an opportunity here because we're going to read into this and see what happened where Jesus was stopped in Samaria a whole town was affected a whole town was actually affected seize the opportunity guys seize the opportunity can you say seize the opportunity there was an opportunity on his way to Judea in Samaria we're going to keep reading on uh, in verse 6 it says Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was, everybody say tired. He was tired. He was a man. He'd given up the privilege of being God. He, he was succumbed to human circumstances. Jacob well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about noontime. Jesus was tired in this moment, yet he did not neglect an opportunity. The second thing I want to challenge us with is don't let your season hold you back from what God wants to do in that moment. Don't let your season hold you back. Irrelevant of the season, we are called to evangelize. If you want to be an effective evangelist, you've got to be ready, irrelevant of the season that you're in, all right? Relevant of the season. If, if we're walking into, if, if we have something planned, right, and it starts to rain, and you, and you can't get to your car because it's out the front, what are you going to do? Are you going to cancel your plans or are you going to pull out something? What are you going to pull out? You're going to pull out an umbrella. I have an umbrella here. It's really massive. I can, you can lift it up. This umbrella, what does it represent? An umbrella represents the Holy Spirit in your life. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is actually your season-conquering empowerer? You can put it down, mate. You can put it down. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is your season conquering empowerer. So no matter what season you head into, no matter what season comes your way, whether it's raining or storming or whether it's too hot or whatever, you don't just change your plans. Be ready. Jesus was tired in that moment. And he could have been like, man, right now, God, just, just give me a second. Maybe, maybe give me another opportunity tomorrow. But he could have missed the opportunity that was coming up. He could have missed everything that was about to happen. And um, I remember when I was going to ask, all my, I'm newly married, so all my stories are about being married to Vanessa. But um, I remember when I was going to ask Vanessa's dad for her hand in marriage, and it was forecast to rain the whole day, 
And I'm sitting there on the toilet with the door open, or like as in the window open, looking out at the clouds like this sad scene. And I'm just like, God, why is it raining? I'm supposed to go for a walk with Vanessa's dad. And so guess what I did? In that moment, I was like, you know what? God's given us authority over this world. <laughs> and I spoke to the thunderstorm. I spoke to the rain. And I said, in Jesus' name, you get out of here in Jesus' name. And it was forecast during the whole day. Complete sunshine. Complete blue skies. It was incredible, right? But you know what I take away from that? I say, speak to your season. Don't let your season determine who you're going to be in, in that season. If, if you're struggling and in your season has come against you, speak to your season if you have to. We had this amazing, um, we have these like staff meetings on Tuesday mornings. We get to listen to Craig Rochelle's podcast every now and then. And he was talking about how every morning he wakes up with a bit of a mantra and he reads it over himself. Like, I am a conqueror. I am called to take on and pioneer in the church. I'm called to plant more churches. I'm called to see people saved. I even found this prayer that he, he every morning he prays this prayer. You can speak to yourself. You can speak things over yourself. Don't just wake up in the morning and say, I'm not feeling great today. Today, I won't witness. Tomorrow, I'll probably be a better believer. If you don't seize the opportunity and then irrelevant of the season, go and do something about it, you're going to miss out on what God's wanting to do in that place. You're actually going to miss out on being an effective evangelist. Okay? This is what he prays. Check this. He starts off by saying, God, I submit my whole being to you. Imagine starting off your day like this. Whatever day, whatever, if you're about to face an exam that day, if you're about to be fired that day, you know your boss is coming down at you. You know you, you had a fight with your wife last night and it's like you're going to wake up and have to have that chat. God, I submit to you my whole being. I give my mind to you today. Give me the mind of Christ. May I only think on things that are pure, excellent, lovely, and admirable. Give me your thoughts, God. I give my ears to you today that I would only hear your truth into my soul. Give me the wisdom to reject any lies as not coming from you. I give my eyes to you today. I ask that I would have the power of Christ in me to only look on the things that will be pleasing to you. I give my mouth to you today that the words that I speak would lift others. I give my heart, which is deceitful to you today, to give me a pure heart, that my motives will be pure and pleasing to you. I give my hands to you. I give my feet. He goes on. God, I give my whole being to you. I submit my life to you afresh today that it would count for your glory. Use me to make a difference today. God, I submit to you. If we live lives where we set the temperature, where we set it, guys, you have the Holy Spirit who will conquer whatever season you're heading into. Don't, don't not be dressed for the season. There are seasons. They come. They come and they go. That's what seasons are. But get dressed for it. Don't walk out naked in the freezing, cold, snowy weather. <laughs> don't walk out in the rain without a trench coat and an umbrella. Get prepared what's, for what's coming and still be effective. Don't allow the season to nullify your effectiveness in this season. Amen? Cool. Do you guys want the inheritance that God's speaking over this church? Do you want your family to be saved? Do you want your friends to be saved? Do you want your co-workers to be saved? You've got to be hungry for it. Hunger is the true catalyst of salvations. Okay? All right. I had the opportunity um, to lead someone to Christ a little while ago. It was on an activation day, but I came against all these things, right? I, had, I, had, I was sitting with a bunch of guys, and what we do is we get a bunch of words, and we go out, and we look for the person that matches these words. We call it treasure hunting. And so we, we sat down, and we got a whole bunch of weird words. Some people got um, airplane, another person got um, big pineapple, another person got a feather and a Buddha, another person got, um, uh, I forget, 
I forget the rest of them. But there was a lot of like weird things ranging from everywhere. Um, and and you can, in that moment, you can just be like, okay, that's probably wrong. I'm going to put that to the side and maybe we'll try again tomorrow. But in that moment, we had to choose to seize the opportunity. Then that night, the next thing that happened is it was the season of being hungry physically. <laughs> and my mom had cooked a lamb roast at home. And so I don't get that anymore because mom cooks in bulk. And no, no, no. We, no. Ah, Vanessa's an amazing cook. She cooks me literally everything. She's amazing. But I'm saying, Vanessa, anyway. Ah. Uh, <laughs> um, but check this, irrelevant of season. And most of my friends, none of my friends turned up to activation day that day. I was stuck with all these people from other churches, and I was like, ah, where are my friends? I want to go home. I want to eat. And so in that moment, I could have been like, you know what? And I had already, t- I think I had told Robbie, oh, I'm going to go leave early tonight or something like that. And so I was sneaking my way out of it. But if I did not seize the opportunity, and if I did not move forward irrelevance of the season, I would have missed out on this, this, this opportunity to lead someone to Christ. And so we're walking down the street. Um, someone says, oh yeah, I know um, there's a flight center down there. That could be the plane word. We go down to that area and then across the road, we see a giant pineapple. Figure, you know, it's a bit interesting, but, but it's a fruit juice store, right? And so we cross the road and we're like, okay, maybe there's something here. We walk in behind the counter where this woman is. So one woman's working the whole shop. Behind the counter, there's this shrine to a Buddha with a massive feather coming out of the side of the shrine. Right? And I freaked out when I saw that. Now, what happens next, right? Once you've seized the opportunity, irrelevant of the season, you've got to go in with a spirit-led strategy. You've got to go in with a spirit-led strategy. Thank you, Arkin. Arkin's my personal cheerleader, so thank you, Arkin. <laughs> Correct. Can I say why you go in with a spirit-led strategy? Because if you go in with your formula, each person is different. If you go in with your formula, you could come up against a wall. If you go in with your protocol and you go up against, like what dad was sharing this morning, it was so awesome to hear the plethora of things that you can go out and evangelize with. But if you go up to someone who's a complete intellect and you try to relate to them at the emotional level of Jesus, they're going to throw you off completely. If you go to someone that is completely emotional and you start going intellect on them, they're going to be like, I don't care though. I feel like I'm okay and I feel the energy and all that sort of stuff. And... But that's what you're going to come up against. you got to go in with a spirit-led strategy. So when I got there, all we felt to do was like, you know what, let's buy a juice and let's talk to her. We bought a juice. It wasn't the best juice in the world, but we bought a juice. And we started talking to her. We're like, how's your day? Turn, turns out she owns a restaurant. She's been, I mean, the juice place. She's been doing it for a while. And it's tough sometimes. You know, the seasons come and all that sort of stuff. And she's talking about how not many people come by. I'm like, well, it was awesome to come and hang out and stuff. And then... I just asked her about the shrine in the back. I'm like, oh, you know, what do you believe? And then after that, I felt just in a moment, this is the spirit-led strategy. It might not always be a word of knowledge, but I got a word of knowledge that she had back pain. A word of knowledge is when God reveals to you something that you shouldn't really know. It's like God doing a bit of gossip. Um, (laughs) so, So he revealed to me that this woman had back pain. And so... In the spirit-led strategy, I didn't say, hey, can I pray for you? I'm a Christian from the church down the road. I was just like, um, hey, can I show you something? And I grabbed her hand. Oh, no, I, I said, do you have back pain? And then and she said, yeah, I've got back pain. How would you know? She freaked out face. And I grabbed her I said, let me show you something. I grabbed her hand. She doesn't know that I'm a Christian. I could be that Buddha guy or something. And I reached out, grabbed her hand, and I said, in Jesus' name, completely unmasked, in Jesus' name, be healed. 
And then I said, test it out. And she bends over with her mouth completely open. She's like, oh, my God. And in that moment, I said, do you know that, that shrine that you have there where you're trying to build a temple for some God that you, you worship? You can be the temple of the living God that just did this for you today. And I was with someone. It was so awesome. We're both sharing the gospel. And then we asked her, did you want it? Do you want this? And she said, yes, I want this. So, and she's like, why wouldn't any, she said, why would not anyone not want this? And then we prayed for her, and she received the Holy Spirit. She received Jesus, and she got saved. And then she, she works on Sundays. She wasn't able to come here. But we went back a couple days later, gave her a Bible. She was so grateful. But it's like, you wouldn't have gone in there if you did not seize the opportunity, irrelevant of your season, and go in with a spirit-led strategy. Amen. So I want to challenge you guys, if you've, if you've gone at something a certain way for so long, and it's like you've been fishing all night long, but then Jesus tells you, go back out and put your nets on the other side, I say to you, do it. For 2018, do it. Because there is an anointing and a favor over this year. To be honest, with me and Vanessa have been believing for her dad to be saved. And the amount of progress that's happening is absolutely ridiculous. Rob and Vess were praying for him at my, uh, at my dad's birthday party. And Rose was telling me, Vanessa's mom, how freaked out she was that he didn't go home and completely badmouth the whole thing and say, oh, everyone's Bible bashing me, everyone's this. Because that's what he's used to doing. But he was just asking questions. He's like, who's that Rob and Vess guy? He's like, oh, yeah, they lead the school. He's like, oh, okay. And he just left it like that. There's like, there's a shift, guys. Don't miss out on it. Actually take hold of it. I'm, I'm prophesying this out, so actually receive it as a prophetic word. There is a shift that's happening this year where you can actually see something that in the past has been so hard, okay? Take it. So spirit-led strategy. Let's see what Jesus does with his spirit-led strategy. All right. Verse 7, we're going to continue reading. When a Samaritan woman, everybody say Samaritan. This is key because culturally, these people weren't supposed to mesh. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Then it says in brackets, his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. I think the reason it says that is John's trying to excuse himself for not giving Jesus a drink of water in that moment. <laughs> but um, it's a funny little add-in. But he says, yeah, the disciples went there. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. See how Jesus just twists it there in a moment. All of a sudden, he's talking this whole new realm of things. And then she's like, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. She's curious. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? And then Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then check this. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to get water. Jesus was strategic. Firstly, he goes in and he actually initiates the conversation. Don't wait around, guys. If you want to be an effective evangelist, go out and initiate something. Don't wait for every opportunity to come to you. If you want to see something happen and if you want to seize inheritance, that, that thing of seizing opportunity, it doesn't mean like when the opportunity arrives, kind of hope it falls in your lap. Seizing means to grab it. Steal the opportunity. Grab it. And I believe that God's saying, if there's an opportunity around you, take the step. In this season, 
Take the step. Do something about it. And in this moment, you see Jesus initiates the conversation and he says, will you give me a drink? It is normal conversation. He doesn't go in with some weird, wacky phrase or anything like that. He's not about even introducing himself. He can have normal conversation with someone. And he says, will you give me a drink? And it opens up this whole dialogue. You see, the gospel, when given right, is attractive. It is very attractive because you have people all around the world with empty buckets at different wells waiting to be filled up again. And Jesus starts talking of this satisfaction and this filling up of a, of of water that she's never heard of before because forever she's had to keep coming back. Forever she's had to been, she, she has to keep coming back, whether it's someone struggling with drinking and they just got to keep coming back and drinking more to get lost and lost and, and, and drugs or whatever, or whether it be the, the whole like social networking stuff where it's like that's the only thing that's keeping them from the edge of suicide and depression. There are people in this world that are satisfying their cravings with temporary fixes, but we have something to give that can shift things. She needed water. Just, I, I think the thing here to know is, when you're going for the spirit-led strategy, just know that what you have is attractive. Don't go in thinking what you have to give is something you have to convince some, someone about. It actually is con- it's attractive because you wear that. If you believe it's attractive, they see that on you, that you think that it's worth believing. Don't be like kind of apologetic in the sense of apologizing for, for explaining about it. Anyway, let's read. I want to I rewind a little bit and check out something that happened though. In verse 7, it says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you even ask me for a drink? I believe that God has called us to seize the opportunity, irrelevant of season, with a spirit-led strategy to break social constructs. Jesus is calling us to break social constructs. Now, I was talking to Carl um, last week at Dean's birthday as well, and we're just chatting about some of his friends. Um, and there's the one guy that is struggling, you know, with homosexuality is he's got stuck in his mind that if he came in here, everyone would be looking at him. He's probably he probably dresses flash or whatever. I don't even know. Or am I just being generalization, <laughs> sexist? Or I don't even know what it is. But he 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 probably thinks people are gonna look at him and think that guy's different. Oh, you know, stay away from him and all that sort of stuff. He's, he's got that mentally. We know that that's not us, right? We know that that's not us. But the world has that settled in their mind that the church is not for them. Whether they're drunkards, dr- drunkards whether they're, um, you know, people that are, are lost in the world and, and whatever it is, they have it fixed in their mind that this place is not for them. So what I say to us is let's go break the social constructs. Jesus didn't wait for a Samaritan to get to Jerusalem because that would never happen in a million years. They weren't allowed in. Now, they are allowed in the church, but they believe that they're not allowed in. Jesus, God would have let them in Jerusalem, but the, the Jews believe they weren't allowed in. What is he calling us to do? Get out of your seat. Go beyond these four walls and go do something about the lost. Go do something about the unsaved. You're not going to find them very often in here. There is a favor and inheritance of people. There's going to be unsaved people coming in here. We're going to see people saved. But guys, the majority of the lost, I mean, it's, it's common sense, are waiting outside. They're waiting outside and they're waiting for you to show them that they are received, they are welcomed, they are loved for where they're actually at. Not for any change or, or shift or anything, but Jesus welcomed them in under his wing in the moment that they're at. 
which I think is radical and amazing, and, and, and it shifts things. So Jesus was not a, afraid to break cu- cultural, racial, social constructs. My question is, are we scared to speak to Muslims, gays, witches, or even children? Like if there's a child on the street, I know maybe it looks a bit weird. What if you go up to him and God's called you to say something to a kid? Like Nathan shared a testimony once of this kid that he prayed for in Greece that had like a hearing problem or something like that. Like don't let any barriers hold you back from seeing people saved because you know what's at stake? Their eternity. Who cares about your reputation? Who cares about what people think? You see, if you read down a little further in verse 27, it says, Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one dared ask. Your friends may be shocked. You aren't doing this for your friends. You are not doing this for your friends. I love that, that scripture. Um, I think it's at the end of John or Luke or something. At the end of one of the Gospels where Jesus is sitting around the fire and he's talking with Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, you know I do, God. And he says, feed my sheep. God's called us to feed and, and, and declare his good news and his gospel and his word in this world. If you love him, you're doing it for him, not for the people around you. Amen? Cool. Let's move on and we'll finish up. Verse 15. We'll read from verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty. I won't keep coming back here. And then he says, Go and call your husband and come back. And then she says, I have no husband. Jesus replies to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. This is Jesus giving a word of knowledge. The father has been gossiping with him. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Good job, woman. Uh, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Because Christ is not just for the people here in this church. He's for all those people out there that are in, in whatever corner of the world that they're currently living in. And he says, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman says, I know that the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus drops this truth bomb and drops the mic, and he says, I am who I'm speaking to you now. I am he. And then it's like, mind blown. All of a sudden, this woman's world is turned upside down. Guys, when you evangelize, this is the biggest key. You can go through all of this. You can seize the opportunity. Relevant of your season, you've got it. You've, you've got a spirit-led strategy. You're, you're, you're talking to them. You've broken social contracts. You don't care who you're speaking to. But if you miss this one thing of mentioning the name of Jesus, you're no longer evangelizing. Bring them into the kingdom. How many people do we have to touch before we actually realize, guys, let's, let's actually reap them in? Scripture talks about how the harvest is ready and ripe. Now, we are called to plant seeds, 100%. But don't just attribute love to love. In the sense of, if you go and love someone, let them know that you're a believer. You don't have to, if there is a season when you're not called to convert someone, don't need to convert them, but let them know you're a believer. And who in the name you come. Deliver the salvation 
message is the final thing that I want to bring to us. We're called to deliver the salvation message. Jesus got the woman to want the living water. She actually wanted it by the end of their conversation. And when she wanted it, he dished it out to her. And he says, I'm the one that you're looking for. And in that moment, something radical happens. Her water jar, she probably only had one of these. She left it. She would have traveled all this way to get to the one well in the town and fill up her water. But in that moment, that means she was out of water. That means she had no water at home. She left her water jar and she ran to the town to tell everybody about what had happened. Are the encounters we're having with people where they meet with Jesus, shifting them in their tracks? Are we seeing radical conversions to the point where you see that, uh, I don't even know if I wrote that. Oh, that's the next section, but it doesn't matter. The woman literally left her water bucket and went to tell everyone what had just happened. And now this is what happens next. I'll just quickly read it as we close. In verse 28, he says, Then leaving her water jar, the woman sent back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So they came to the town, made their way towards him. And many of the Samaritans from that town believed. I'm skipping through to verse 39. In him, because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. We are called to share the word of God to the point where it's so effective, she actually could leave her bucket behind because she had received living water. The word that we bring, the spirit that we leave behind with people should cause them to drop everything that they're holding on to. The weight of this world, the, the urge to, be, to, to please this world and get satisfaction from this world, that should drop off people and they should run with fervency. The gospel and evangelism should actually bring people to a place of absolute surrender and bewilderment of their encounter with Jesus. So much so that their entire lives shift and the course they were running forever changes. She was on her way to fill up water and she shifted to go tell everyone about who she'd just met. Does that make sense? Why don't we just all stand? I'm just going to pray over us. This, the, this world is filled with people, like I said, walking around with spiritual buckets, longing for acceptance, longing for belonging, longing for love, longing for some sort of a, 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 just an infilling of something. And they go searching out everywhere. They search out everywhere. And yet we have the light. And I feel like God's calling us to be a people that actually bring our buckets back before Him. If we filled our buckets up with other things... I think it's time to let go of that and allow him to fill us up with living water so it would be an overflow for our passion to actually react like this Samaritan woman reacted. She had no right technically to even to interact with this Jesus, this Jew. Yet after she realized who he was, she had no regard for what she had done or all her past or anything. She went and just told everyone. And Jesus stayed there and there was a multitude of salvations. That whole town heard about Jesus. And I just, are you guys hungry to see those sort of salvations in this season? Are you hungry to see those sort of encounters? Jesus, like, but where did that start? That started with one conversation, a simple conversation when Jesus was actually on his way to somewhere else and Jesus was actually quite tired in that moment. He sat down to rest and he was actually quite thirsty. 
and he had just a little conversation with just a lowly woman in that societal class, who would have known that it could have turned out to shift the whole city? Something was deposited that day that would change all those people forever. So I challenge you guys, seize the opportunity. Irrelevant of season, with a spirit-led strategy to break social constructs and deliver the salvation message. I believe that is effective evangelism. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.